Live from London, this is The Late Show with Noreen Khalid on Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening. The time is 8 o'clock, the date is the 23rd of March, and we are live on Teachers Talk Radio. On tonight's show, I will be chatting to Sarah Stokes. We will be having a wide-ranging discussion about coaching, inclusion, diversity, and much more. Stay tuned for a very informative 90 minutes. Live from London, this is The Late Show with Noreen Khalid on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Hello, a very warm welcome to you all. Uh, great to have you with me. Um, Sarah, are you in the studio? Hi, Sarah. Hello there. Hello. So, if you um, video, it's a talk show for teachers where we discuss topics of interest to you. It's your show, and I will be delighted if you take part too. Um, you can join in the discussion by calling in or by tweeting or texting us. Um, if you've liked our shows and uh, wondered if you could become a part of the team, then head over to our website, www.ttr.org, which has details about how to get in touch with us. The team will be delighted to hear from you and you may become our latest host with a show of your own. So on tonight's show, I'm joined by Sarah Stones. Sarah runs Plain Sailing Motivation and is a motivation specialist and coach. She has a background in HR and recruitment and she works with senior leadership teams, parents as well as pupils to support engagement and well-being. She is passionate about the impact having a great understanding of motivation can have, not only personally, but also to help us understand and support those around us. Sarah is particularly passionate about equality, diversity and inclusion and supporting students with special education needs. She is a volunteer enterprise advisor at a school in Cambridgeshire. Um, Sarah herself has cerebral palsy and she understands the challenges this brings and the importance of developing resilience and determination. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much, Noreen. I'm delighted to join you tonight. Oh, I, I'm so grateful to you for joining me. Um, you know, inclusion, diversity, uh, supporting students with special education needs. This all is really, really important. And so I'm really grateful that you agreed to come onto the show and talk to us. Um, right, so let's get started. First of all, um, tell us a bit about your background, please. Okay, so I'm living Cambridge now. Um, I went just because I think it might be useful in the 
context that we're speaking tonight, mm-hmm. uh, although it was quite a few years ago, I went to a mainstream um, school in the village where I was born and then went into private education for my secondary education purely and simply because at that time the local authority wouldn't let me go to the mainstream school because it was over three floors and they didn't think that I would cope with all the stairs at the school. Um, So I ended up going to a private school and then went on to the local sixth form and then on to university where I did a degree in business studies. Um, And from there, I ended up uh, going into a career in human resources, um, specialising really in recruitment, uh, and always really enjoyed the well-being, engagement, staff recruitment, retention side. So in 2014, I became self-employed and somebody at that time, because I was thinking, what is it that I really love doing? And somebody introduced me to a tool called a motivational map, which I don't I don't know. Lots of people haven't heard of them. Lots of people have done personality profiles like MBTI and all of the other ones. But I'd never seen one that looked at what gets us out of bed in the morning. And for me, there were so many light bulbs went off when I read the report. Uh, It was a real turning point for me because I thought, actually, that is the key that holds everything together about what I believe about enabling people to shine, whether it's teachers, whether it's parents, whether it's pupils. We need to be motivated and we need that energy that motivation gives us. And that was, as I say, five, six, seven years ago now, and since then I've become really passionate about everything that there is to do with motivation. Thank you. Um, in my introduction, and you've just mentioned it, um, you know, I told my listeners that um, you have cerebral palsy. Um, is it okay to ask a few questions around that? Of course, yeah. 
Thank you. Um, firstly, I'm, I'm surprised at what you just said about uh, the local authority not letting you go to your local school because they thought you would not be able to cope. Did they have that discussion with you? Uh, or did they just make up their minds that Sarah can't do it? I cannot say for certain that they didn't have a conversation with me because I'm 53 now, so it was a long time ago. But I don't remember anybody having a conversation with me. I see. Yeah. So that's, that's a really important point. So if anybody was going through this right now, um, your advice would to people who are making these decisions would be to actually talk to the person and and involve them in the decision. It would definitely. And I think it's about looking at the students' um, ability as well, because I, I was obviously, I've gone on to achieve a lot. And I think... At that time, the focus was all on my physical disabilities. Mm. I can't remember anybody doing an assessment of my mental abilities and what I'm thinking about what I might be able to achieve. Obviously, yes, that's that's a really good point. And I think anybody who's making any decisions like this about somebody else they should involve the person concerned um, so that both of them can come to you know discuss things and and so that any decision which is made the person who that decision will affect the most is happy with that decision and and knows that it has been done with their input and with um, that's that's the way to to make them happy and and settled and and include them Completely. I was very determined, even at the age of 11, that I did not want to go to a special school. And I was very, very fortunate that my parents didn't want me to either and were in a privileged position where they actually went without an awful lot mm -hmm. to enable me to go to a school that would support me. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. That you know, it needs to be your the person who's who is going to be affected by the decision. They need to have input. I mean, some might want to go to a special school, which is fine, but uh, but that that's their decision. And if somebody thinks they rather go to a mainstream school, try it down the mainstream school. Um, so it's up to us to make that happen. Mm. Indeed. Um, now this might be. Please don't think you have to answer this if you don't want to. It might be a bit um, sensitive, but I recently read one of your tweets um, that you were out cycling and you were called a really wild term, which I'm not even going to say now, 
by two boys who were aged around 12. Um, why do you think, as a society, we still haven't left these attitudes in the past? I mean, those children must have heard that term from somewhere, probably, probably from an adult. Uh, why is it that, you know, it's 2022 and we are still unable to, to not to use these, these, these you know, which are really wild terms, actually? I would love to be able to give you a really good answer to that, Noreen. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I didn't respond to them at the time because I was just so shocked to hear it. Growing up, I was used to it a lot and I just ignore it. But it's a long time since I've heard language like that. Um, And it just really hit me. I think we've come such a long way. And as you say, it's not the children's fault. They they weren't born knowing language like that. And I'm sure they didn't hear it at school. Hmm. Yes, it's a, um, as a society, I think each and every one of us, every individual has, has uh, the responsibility to, to ensure that this doesn't happen, to ensure that everybody understands that this is not on, that this, these are not the terms we should be using. This is not how we treat anybody. Um, and we really, you know, it's, it's time we left these things in the past and just looked at the person for the person they are, not for the, and not describe them by the, by the conditions or the disabilities they have. But um, thank you for, for, you know, I, I know this must be a bit sensitive and, and thank you for, for talking about this because there might be people out there who might listen to the, this and sort of understand the effects such things have uh, when they're spoken out loudly. Um, and, you know, I, I, was, I, I was really shocked when I saw your tweet, so, I, yeah. I think I wanted to share it, Noreen, to encourage uh, people to challenge when they hear language like that, but also to have those conversations with young people about what's right and what's wrong. I think there's an awful lot around disability that people don't feel comfortable about asking people what support they need and having those discussions and I was amazed at how many people not only read and supported that post that I actually put on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn but all the engagement that I had with people saying 
thank you for sharing this. We took it and we discussed it with our children, with our friends. And that was what I wanted to happen from it. Uh, I always believe that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if that horrible comment from those two boys changes other people's views by me sharing it, then that's done some good. It it has. And, um, you know, it caught my eye. It must have caught somebody else's eye. It It may have caught eyes of people who who may have used the term not knowing how hurtful it is and how wrong it is. So um, thank you for raising awareness. And I hope, um, you know, anybody who's listening in, please do your bit to make sure that we move past this now. It's high time we did, um, you know, talk, address the person by by the person's name. Uh, Don't, don't make them about, don't make it all about their disabilities. Right. Um, Okay. Um, my next question was going to be how, uh, but you've already we've sort of uh, answered that about uh, you know doing a bit to change it, um, and um, you said you're passionate about supporting children with special education needs or disabilities. Um, can you tell us a bit about the work you do to support these children, please? Yes, I suppose I do work on this in a number of different ways. Um, I'm a volunteer enterprise advisor with a special educational needs school in Cambridgeshire. Um, I also, in my work as a coach and a mentor, I support um, parents and families Um, on an ongoing basis and that's people with long-term or acquired disabilities. I also work um, with another hat on. I sit on personal independence panel tribunals. Um, So for the children that parents have applied for PIP and been turned down. Um, I sit on those panels, re-looking at that decision. That's um, that. That's really important work too, um, because and I'm sure parents quite welcome your your input uh, because. Um, I mean, not being a parent of which who has had to go through this, I can imagine. That, uh, I, I can just, I can only imagine that it must be a really painful, uh, really stressful, really, uh, you know, thing to do. So have to have somebody there who sort of understands what they're going through must be must be quite good for them. Yeah, and I think it's um, it's a about just giving that support and that insight. And I think parents 
sometimes haven't come across any adults with disabilities and I can see that it must be very frightening as a parent to mm -hmm. think what what will my child do when they get older? So I think having that contact is really important. Yes, and it it, it makes them feel that you know that their child too can achieve something with the right help and and schools can see you and, and see that what can be accomplished if the right support, right intervention is put into place. That's right. Thank you for that. Um, so, like I said before, I believe that every single person has a role to play in ensuring um, that children with special education needs or disabilities um, get access to all that they are entitled to in education and in life, and that they are helped and allowed to, to shine. Um, on, on a practical level, what can parents or teachers or especially fellow pupils do to ensure that this happens? This is a really interesting question, Noreen, and one that I've been thinking about a lot because it's really occurred to me only recently that it's getting that balance right between enabling somebody and disabling them. Mm. And if it's okay, I'll give you a couple of uh, examples of that. Uh, and one was a very long time ago and it was a story that my mum actually told me only recently but apparently uh, we were out one day and I was about four and I'd fallen over and she just said oh Sarah you know get yourself up come on catch us up and later my godmother really told her off and said Sandy you need to be giving Sarah a lot more support than you do now thinking about that now and there were other examples of when my dad did similar things I think, oh my goodness, that is where I have got my determination and my resilience from. And thank goodness they weren't picking me up every time I fell over and wrapping me up in cotton wool. We need to really get that balance right between being supportive but not and not disabling people any more than they we all have challenges 
but we all need to find that balance between helping and hindering people. Another example of that was I have a coaching client who had CP quite similar to me, but she has never been enabled to make a cup of tea. Her life is so different to mine. I live on my own. I don't have any carers. If I want to make a cup of tea and take it into the lounge, I make it in a teapot because I can have a cup of tea in a teapot, but I can carry it and I put it in a basket and I'll use milk in a milk jug because I can then carry carry that and it's not overflowing. But this young lady had never had someone with her to say, yes, you can do this. Let's find a way that you can do it. Um, And I think we all need to play a role in helping people to achieve rather than doing it for them. Um, The the phrase you used, uh, being supportive and not disabling anymore, that's such a powerful phrase, Um, not disabling anymore. That's, uh, I've never heard anybody put it in, in, in such words and I think that that really strikes a chord with me that um, yes be supportive and obviously um, you know there will be some things which people they can't do and they would need much more support with it but let's find what they can do and let and like you said not disable them any more than than what you know uh, thank you for that I, I I've noted down this phrase and it's it's really struck a chord with me that uh, you know being supportive and not disabling anymore and i think that goes for any child noreen i i think my experience recently showing that children don't like failing and i think lots of parents and i can't speak for teachers i'm not a teacher it's not my area of expertise but we jump in and we do things for kids and they are afraid of failure and that's something that comes out in so many of my coaching sessions and it's just we we learn so much more from failing than we ever do from getting something right the first time. That's true. Thank you. Like I said, I have noted these two things down, uh, not disabling anymore and 
helping versus hindering. Um, you know, that's that's really good. Thank you. Um, now, it's almost time for uh, uh, to, to take a break. We are going to listen to our latest education news and, and some ads. Um, so don't go away. Stay tuned. Um, uh, catch up with the news and listen to our ads and we'll be right back. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Wales, COVID cases among pupils and school staff have fallen slightly in the past week. Public Health Wales said cases reported by schools did not mean that infection took place there. This week, whole year groups have been sent home to work due to staff absences, with head teachers saying they cannot secure supply cover when staff are off for COVID and non-COVID reasons. Of the total 694 cases in the six days 
to March the 15th, 454 were in primaries, 177 in secondaries and 63 in other, which includes independent and special schools and pupil referral units. Surfers Against Sewage, a Cornish charity based in St Agnes, is calling on the government to help make all schools free of single-use plastics by the end of the year. Surfers Against Sewage says, In 2018, the Education Secretary urged all schools to eliminate their use of single-use plastic by 2022. We are now in 2022, and the government have done nothing to support schools in achieving this. Emily van de Geer, Education Manager for Surfers Against Sewage, said, The reason we want to do this as a collective activism action is so that schools can all join together at the same moment in time and make a voice so loud that the government has no choice but to listen. They have a really powerful voice and if we can help work with young people on knowing the power of that voice and where they can direct their energy and really encourage them all to become ocean activists, then we can really drive that change. Pupils in Portreath are among those who have been working hard to drive that change. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at technology and supporting us getting lunch. Why? Because I asked every teacher I met last week if they had lunch regularly, and most of them said no. The reason being, they're too busy most days. Now, right off the bat, I'm not going to discuss any types of diet. This is just about getting lunch. Simple ways to get calories in to power the body. As always, I've tested these things out for you and added my humble opinion. First, and with zero extra cost, using the technology of the freezer. You can freeze a sandwich. I quite like this idea as it stopped me eating a sandwich in the car on the way to a school. If I know a sandwich is there, it calls to me. It calls to me. It being frozen meant I had to wait. The downside is making the sandwich. However, throwing 10 slices of bread down, adding filling and then into a Ziploc bag would be quite easy on a Sunday evening. You might need quite a bit of space in your freezer though. Next, I used a trusty thermos mug and noodles. I thought it was a good idea, but unlike a sandwich that you can eat on the go, I needed a fork and then had to consider not dripping it on my tie, so I actually had to stop and eat. So not as simple as a frozen sandwich, but I did have a hot lunch. Now hold on to your hats. I tried this again. I did enjoy a hot lunch, so I smashed the noodles up before I put the water in the second time around. That day, I drank my lunch. No need to find a fork, lid off, quick swig of noodles, genius. The downside I can see is washing the mug. I know I'll find it on the draining board waiting to be washed when I want to get out the door. Finally, I tried a snack bar. You can get these quite cheap online and you can find them to match most dietary needs. It was definitely the easiest option, but would be the most expensive over time. For me, it didn't feel as lunch-like, if I was being totally honest, but it did the job of rapid calorie input on the go. So, in conclusion, if you're not having lunch, why not try one of these ideas? You will definitely feel better for it. P.S. I googled International Lunch Day and it actually exists. However, it's on the 10th of March, so we've missed it. Gutted. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you have for your lunch. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
Welcome back. Um, this is The Late Show. We are live on Teachers Talk Radio and I am your host, Noreen Khalid. Before the break, I was having a really fascinating discussion with Sarah Stearns. Um, I will be continuing our conversations. Uh, so if you have any questions, then please phone or text us or tweet us and we'll put those questions to Sarah. Uh, welcome back, Sarah. Um, so we were just discussing about um, supporting students and people who have special education needs or, or who have disabilities. Um, as you do a lot of work in coaching and mentoring and you work with schools, um, I, I'd be interested in your opinion about how good are we at ensuring that, um, that there is inclusion of children with with scent in all walks of life? That's really interesting. Um, again, it's, I'm not a teacher. I don't work in schools. But there seems to be this disjoint between looking at academic needs and looking at the personal, social and economic needs. And I know that there's an awful lot of schools with waiting lists. Um, and I think it's about finding the right place for it. And I suppose thinking about it, it comes to what we were talking about before the break, Noreen, is finding the right place for the student um, and thinking about the people, the parents that I see during the Pippa Fields, there's often to get Pip, parents need EHCPs, um, but that takes so long that that can stop them getting the benefits that they need to provide the extra support to the students. And there doesn't seem to be a big joined up way of looking at it. And I wonder whether this, whether we will see a time that I would love to see when actually it is more joined up. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, um, you know, it's the time it takes to get um, support, to get intervention put into place um, in order to ensure inclusion. It's... In, in certain cases, it can be really, really long, and which rather defeats the purpose of inclusion. Um, we can only, you know, hope that things get get better uh, uh, with time. Right. Um, let's move on now. Um, I believe you are a coach, um, and you do some mentoring as well. So this is something I've always um, been confused about. What's the difference between coaching? and mentoring and how do I know if I need a coach or do I need a mentor? 
really good question now. I think to some degree you'll get different answers to this. They'll all be around the same area, but in my mind, mentors share their knowledge, skills and experience. Uh, whereas coaches help people to achieve their full potential. And that can be by helping them to clarify their goals um, it, it, so that, and then helping them to work towards them. Some people already have very clear goals that they've not been able to achieve. So as a coach, it's about helping them achieve that goal. But for some people, coming back to the motivation, it's about working out what is it that that person wants to achieve and then helping them on that journey. Thank you, thank you. Um, so, when 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 you get to clients now, what um, without obviously revealing anything which is confidential, um, what do clients who come to you, uh, what do they ask to be coached about? Generally speaking, hmm, it can be a really wide range of things. So. If I give you an example at the moment, um, I've got a new graduate who doesn't know where to go with their career. They've got lots of different options. At the other end of the spectrum, I've currently working with uh, another client who is nearing the end of her career and heading towards retirement and that can be a really scary time because um, it's there's a huge period of your life after you finish work and particularly for people who's like teachers whose life has been so consumed by work, it can be a really scary situation to be in. It can be that people are just lost so um and can need some guidance. It's really about helping, if we feel stuck, helping us to get out of that pothole, if you like. And it's about maybe I've just got a picture of giving someone a step ladder out of a well because sometimes we can just get really stuck 
and it's about having someone else to talk to who will ask you questions in a very different way to some to the people that would do it who know you so you may have a very supportive manager you may have a very supportive family but sometimes it's just having that third party view mm-hmm. yeah somebody who's uh, who's slightly away from the problem and therefore brings a new perspective to it and therefore can see a new way through the problem might help i mean it is completely and it's about Lots of it is about just asking the right questions. Sometimes I sit in a coaching session and think, well, actually, I haven't said that much, but I've asked the right questions that unlock someone's thinking. And... And coaching is about enabling somebody else to be to be able to um, set their own goals. At the end of a coaching session, we'll talk about um, okay, what are the actions that you want to take before we meet again? So sometimes it's about accountability as well. I I liked that um, the the picture that you sort of the drew about um, being stuck at the bottom of the well, and and having somebody point out the ladder to you. So the ladder may have been there all the time, but because you were so scared, uh, you were st- stuck um, at the bottom couldn't see your way out and for somebody just to stand there and say look here's a ladder and just put one step on one rung and the next step on the other rung and slowly you'll climb out that that must be yeah that's that's probably coaching and it's um that describes coaching for me quite quite well actually thank you the other thing is just thinking about that Noreen if someone may have already given you a rope so you may actually know where you want to be but actually it can seem like a huge too huge an issue or too huge a goal for you to achieve and but actually breaking it down into the single runs on the ladder you can take that one at a time you don't have to do it all in one go that's that's very true thank you just going to see that quite a few people have joined us and are listening in so um just you know hello ella who's joined us we've got um Tom Rogers there, we've got um, Senalina, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing any names, Uh, Zaki Musa has joined us as well, so I'm sure you must all be enjoying um, this fascinating 
chat with Sarah. She's, um, you know, she's really inspirational. I'm getting so much out of this chat. Um, Sarah, most of our listeners, our teachers, um, are there some extra benefits teachers can get from coaching as compared to the general public? Um, that's an interesting question. I think that teachers get exactly the same out of coaching um, as anybody else. But I think from my perspective, and I have given thought to this, it's about, I think sometimes we all get a big stuck within our own professional areas. And so sometimes it can be useful to have that wider perspective and I know we're going to talk about the different types of coaching, but I think it depends on the type of coaching that you want, mm -hmm. who you should choose as a coach, because I think we all struggle to achieve things on our own, and coaches can help us accelerate that change. The crucial thing is to choose the right coach for you. Thank you. Um, you've you've just mentioned it, so let's let's talk about that. How many different types of coaches are out there, and how how do you go about choosing who's right for you? Mm. So there's personal coaches, there's leadership coaches, there's relationship coaches, coaches that will support with professional development, there's executive coaches. Um, so I think the first the first thing to do is to really think about what it is that you need support with um, and then think about the best type of coach to help you with that area. Um, and I know there are an awful, awful lot of coaches out there. And I know there's a lot of teachers who are now coaches who, if you're looking for support with professional development, then obviously finding someone who can really maybe do a bit of coaching and some mentoring as well 
I know certainly when I'm working with clients, I often ask the question right at the start, would you like me to be a coach or are we just, do we want a mix of coaching or and mentoring? Because sometimes you, it can be much quicker if you're given the answer. I know when I'm receiving coaching, there's those situations where you think, actually, the per- the coach does know the answer and can help me with this. So, actually, can we just have a discussion around what it would look like rather than having a discussion that we will eventually get there. It can be a shortcut. But I think the real key is talking to a number of different people before you make up your mind who is the right one for you. And I certainly, I work with a lot of other coaches. And if I also don't think that I'm the right coach for a particular client, I'll maybe suggest, give them some suggestions of who to contact. I see that that's interesting that um, you know you decide that you you're going to go down the coaching route um, then you should uh, then the next step is to find somebody who you click with I suppose and um, and then take it from there yes completely okay thank you um, I've also read that you you work with school leadership teams um, in performance management, etc. And one of the ways you work with them is through appreciative inquiry and strength-based approaches. Now, these are both new things for me. So can you tell me what a bit more about these, please? I can. I love appreciative inquiry. Um, and it's about focusing on what's going right um, and using the knowledge that we have of what's going right to look at the areas that we need to improve. Um, So if we focus on what's going wrong, then the likelihood is that all our energy will be put into that area and we won't come up with creative solutions Mm -hmm. and we won't be able to look at, okay, so this has worked with another student. How can we adapt that to help this student? Um, how can we turn this positive thing that's happened over here 
what can we learn from that to using a completely unrelated scenario that we were really struggling with. So it's looking for those nuggets of gold and putting them all together to generate more gold. And the strengths-based approach is the same thing, really. It's looking at, okay, so um, historically, if you haven't been able to do something, let's put you on a training course to enable you to do that better. So take, for example, someone that, isn't very good at spreadsheets let's send you on an excel training course well actually it could be that somebody else in the team is really motivated and loves doing work with spreadsheets let's um see if we can find some capacity for them to take it on and let's use your strengths uh, to to really you sort of use that time so that we can use your strengths in the best way does that make sense Noreen? I, I think so let me see if I've got it right and you tell me if I haven't hmm. um, um, so appreciative inquiry you go in and you talk to somebody and you and they have their areas of strengths and things which have gone wrong uh, gone right things which they know they can do really well um so you examine that and you you look at that and you talk through that and and you work out why that has gone right and though that is that person's strength and then you use that strength to look to try and solve a problem which hasn't gone right so far or which is a problem so so recognizing strengths from one field and applying those strengths to solve a problem in another field is that have i got it you've yes you've really got it you um you've combined the two really beautifully oh that's because i've got a good teacher in you I've got a good coach on you. you. Uh, there's a really fantastic book uh -huh. called Conversations Worth Having. Conversations uh, Worth Having. Okay. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you happen to know the name of the author? Or? I do. It's a lady called Jackie. J-A-C-K-I-E, Stavros, S-T-A-V-R-O-S. Jackie Stavros, okay. That's that's a good recommendation uh, for a book. Um, so listeners, put that on your reading list and, and get it the next time you're book shopping. Right, thank you so much for that. Um, right, um, through your work with schools, um, with parents, and with pupils, um, 
you you work with pupils as well don't you um yeah what, what have you have you noticed i mean obviously you know with covid being a big part of our life these last two years um have you noticed any effect that covid has had on mental health and well-being and if it has what can be done to support people going through this so i have noticed a huge impact i don't think many of us would say otherwise mm-hmm. um and i think the impact it's about understanding from an individual's perspective what that impact looks like and how we can support them in the best way um i think for some people it's been it's still difficult to get out there's a lot of anxiety and apprehension um i've noticed i think for me it's about meeting people where they are at the moment and being very non-judgmental about that and just accepting that we are all in a very different place and then working with them to find out what sort of support would help them in the best way i think some um some students thrive during lockdown because they were a we'll talk about motivation a bit later but they were able to learn what they wanted when they wanted to do it and so actually having that freedom really helped them um but i think there's a lot of there's a lot more that obviously really struggled and are continuing to do that and i think it's also understanding where parents are as well because obviously parents anxiety uh, has a huge impact on the students i i thought about this because just the other day i was having a, a phone conversation with with a friend of mine now she and i have been friends since primary school so we go way way back and we used to meet quite often and have long chats uh, but obviously during covid we haven't met and so i was saying to her that you know it's been some some it's been quite a long time since i've seen you and she said that she has got so used to being indoors that she doesn't like going outdoors now and she has to she, she gets a bit apprehensive about meeting people about even going to the shops to do her food shopping um and that made me think that you know she is probably not she isn't the only one who must be feeling this way there were, there must be loads of people out there whose lives have changed and who for, 
who can't you know can't uh, can't think about can't make themselves go back to how they were before and i can really relate to that and i think sometimes we forget i do a lot of things around happiness and positive psychology and having those connections is so crucial to our mental health um so and i think it's about saying okay i need to start to do this i need to start getting back out and maybe it's also about what can we do to support friends or family that are in that situation to help them i suppose re-emerge from a covid existence yes um does it's not help with the fact that the numbers have started to go up again so even if somebody had felt um a bit you know that yeah i am able to perhaps go out and then the numbers start going up again and then you're back to where you were before so yeah mm. it's, uh, it's about learning to live with it isn't it and i know it's an awful lot of teachers will be listening to this that have had to continue going out so i haven't had that experience particularly after the first lockdown of not not going out and seeing anybody yeah yeah i know speaking to teachers there was an awful lot that really struggled with that first lockdown because they weren't able to make a difference and they weren't seeing their colleagues and their students yeah i mean i hats off to every single person who works in schools uh, from the support staff to teachers to deputy heads to heads um, to cleaning staff everybody it's been um, you know it's uh, nothing in their training would have prepared them for what has happened the last two years um, no. and they have kept schools open schools haven't been closed schools were open for children of you know um, um of uh, special service of you know nhs people working for the nhs or, or other services children have gone in so schools have been open teachers have worked around and even if the children aren't in the teachers have prepared lessons and have done online lessons so uh, schooling as much as they could possibly do it has continued but my word what a different two years and what a difficult two years this has been so i'm all you know my huge admiration for anybody who who works with in schools in any capacity you are all you know real heroes um right um going on to something slightly different now you um when i was looking at your background um you are an experienced hr person but you say you don't like the term hr 
Why not? <laughs> I don't. I think it's most awful term. Humans are not resources. We are individuals and we need to appreciate uh, the people who we work with and who make up our schools and our colleges. We, and we need to appreciate that every single one of us is very different. What, what would you use instead of HR? Oh, that's a good question. Well, when I started in my career, it was personnel. And I don't, I think it's, it's about our people, isn't it? Yes. If, yeah. if we take it back to the real simplicity of it, it's about looking, looking after our people. That's, that's very true. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, uh, this, this conversation, this entire show, every time you, you say something and I said, oh my goodness, I've never thought of that in this <laughs> so I'm, I'm really enjoying our, our chat because you're making me think so differently to what i you know i've always said hr just slips off my tongue and if i have to say something you know oh con let's contact hr let's ring hr let's ask what hr thinks about it i've never thought about this that you know they they are humans mm -hmm. they're individuals there so yes thank you for that I also think lots of people have a negative view of HR mm -hmm. and I think there are some very very different HR practices out there. Uh, when I was working in as head of HR I was there as much for the staff as I was for the organisation and I know that's got to be a balance, but I think there's a lot of people who go, oh, you don't work in HR, do you? <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, I'm sure it's like any other profession, they, they have their share of such people. <laughs> um, and it's about treating people with respect yes, and yes. treating people how you would like to be treated yeah, exactly yeah the, i mean the the laws and regulation which they deal with obviously they have to be dealt with but there's a right way of dealing with yeah. people and there's a, a a wrong way of of applying the laws and you know if if everybody thinks that this is a person person sat opposite me in my office of uh, uh, on you know in the in the chair opposite me it's an individual as well and Though I do have to, by law, I have to apply all these regulations. But you know, let's think of them as a person, as an individual. Mm. Yes. Okay. Right. Um. So I, you know, you work with parents as well. So um, what what does that? What is your work with parents? What does that involve? And how do you help them help their children? It's all around understanding what makes their child tick mm -hmm. which is all comes down to what motivates them um 
and I think sometimes we think that we're all motivated by the same thing and we aren't at all. Um, so in working with the parents, it's about, I normally work with, this, with their child to look at what motivates them and understand that. And depending on their age, I'll have a discussion with the child about that. And that's normally from about the age of seven or eight upwards. Um, but it's also, it's really about helping the parent to understand how best to support their child, which there aren't many parents that don't want to know that. Um, and if they know where the child gets their energy from, which is really what motivation is all about, then they can support them in the best way. Lovely. Thank you. We are going to take another short break just to catch up with the news and the ads. But after we come back, I'd love to start to, to talk about your work with motivation with you. So that um, we, you've sort of touched upon it and you've mentioned it once or twice. But uh, let's let's dig into that in a little more detail yeah. just after the news. Brilliant. Yes. So here's the... This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, 
This free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Wales, COVID cases among pupils and school staff have fallen slightly in the past week. Public Health Wales said cases reported by schools did not mean that infection took place there. This week, whole year groups have been sent home to work due to staff absences, with head teachers saying they cannot secure supply cover when staff are off for COVID and non-COVID reasons. Of the total 694 cases in the six days to March the 15th, 454 were in primaries, 177 in secondaries and 63 in other, which includes independent and special schools and pupil referral units. Surfers Against Sewage, a Cornish charity based in St Agnes, is calling on the government to help make all schools free of single-use plastics by the end of the year. Surfers Against Sewage says, In 2018, the Education Secretary urged all schools to eliminate their use of single-use plastic by 2022. We are now in 2022, and the government have done nothing to support schools in achieving this. Emily van de Geer, Education Manager for Surfers Against Sewage said, The reason we want to do this as a collective activism action is so that schools can all join together at the same moment in time and make a voice so loud that the government has no choice but to listen. They have a really powerful voice and if we can help work with young people on knowing the power of that voice and where they can direct their energy and really encourage them all to become ocean activists, then we can really drive that change. Pupils in Portreath are among those who have been working hard to drive that change. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at technology and supporting us getting lunch. Why? Because I asked every teacher I met last week if they had lunch regularly, and most of them said no. The reason being, they're too busy most days. Now, right off the bat, I'm not going to discuss any types of diet. This is just about getting lunch. 
simple ways to get calories in to power the body. As always, I've tested these things out for you and added my humble opinion. First, and with zero extra cost, using the technology of the freezer. You can freeze a sandwich. I quite like this idea as it stopped me eating a sandwich in the car on the way to a school. If I know a sandwich is there, it calls to me. It calls to me. It, calls it being frozen meant I had to wait. The downside is making the sandwich. However, throwing 10 slices of bread down, adding filling and then into a Ziploc bag would be quite easy on a Sunday evening. You might need quite a bit of space in your freezer though. Next, I used a trusty thermos mug and noodles. I thought it was a good idea, but unlike a sandwich that you can eat on the go, I needed a fork and then had to consider not dripping it on my tie, so I actually had to stop and eat. So not as simple as a frozen sandwich, but I did have a hot lunch. Now hold on to your hats. I tried this again. I did enjoy a hot lunch, so I smashed the noodles up before I put the water in the second time around. That day, I drank my lunch. No need to find a fork, lid off, quick swig of noodles, genius. The downside I can see is washing the mug. I know I'll find it on the draining board waiting to be washed when I want to get out the door. Finally, I tried a snack bar. You can get these quite cheap online and you can find them to match most dietary needs. It was definitely the easiest option, but would be the most expensive over time. For me, it didn't feel as lunch-like, if I was being totally honest, but it did the job of rapid calorie input on the go. So, in conclusion, if you're not having lunch, why not try one of these ideas? You will definitely feel better for it. P.S. I googled International Lunch Day and it actually exists. However, it's on the 10th of March, so we've missed it. Gutted. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you have for your lunch. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back. I'm Noreen Khalid, the host of tonight's The Late Show, and we are live on Teachers Talk Radio. My guest tonight is Sarah Stones, who has been kind enough to give up her Wednesday evening to chat to us. Um, welcome back, Sarah. Thank you. All right. Um, so, um, just before the break, we had you had just sort of started talking about motivation. So I'm really interested in uh, spending the last part of the show about talking about that. Um, you've developed a teacher motivation toolkit. Tell me a bit more about that, please. Yeah, it focuses on both teacher motivation and student motivation because if we understand more about what motivates us it helps us to support our own well-being which is so crucial um i think you've already said earlier tonight Noreen teachers have had an unprecedented two years and let's not forget they were under an awful lot of pressure even before COVID hit and we know teachers are leaving the profession in droves so actually we can't change the system but what we can do is look at our motivation because we know that when we're motivated, we have more energy, we're more creative, we're more engaged. But crucially, our well-being is improved. Thank you. Um, so, 
um, you you talked about relationship motivators what are these so we all have nine different motivators um and our motivators change as we go through life which is why it's so important to um think about what motivates us our motivators really follow maslow's hierarchy of needs and the relationship motivators come towards the bottom of that but those are all about having security and stability and having meaningful relationships and being recognized for the work that we do um and some of these are more important uh, to us than others and i it's really important to think about which ones are important to us and then on the toolkit it gives us opportunities for having those motivators met um, so that we get that more energy now we have the relationship motivators we also have achievement motivators um, and those are really focused on uh, they include being quite competitive they include the motivation around learning and development and they also include the motivation around taking charge um and it's really important to recognize that our motivators are very different from our skills so we can be really skilled in an area but it may be somewhere we get our energy from okay um how does this toolkit help teachers help the students so the other part of the toolkit and just to finish off we also got growth motivators mm -hmm. as well um the other part of the toolkit is the um guide to children's motivators so for example there's a motivator called the spirit which is all around freedom and independence and it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if there were a lot of students in pupil referral units that have a high spirit motivator because the spirit doesn't really fit with the structure of school and having to do 
what you're told to do when you're told to do it. And it's, we can do easy things like have three or four um, uh, desks in our classroom where that aren't allocated so that pupils have a choice where to sit. For students that have a strong need for security and stability, they want to know where they're sitting. But for the other ones, actually being able to sit somewhere different every day will really help them with their engagement. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. That's really interesting. Um, uh, there's so much more to talk about this, but um, we've come to the end of the show, and which is, uh, it's because, you know, I was having such such a fascinating discussion with you that I just didn't realize when where the time has gone. Um, thank you, Sarah, so much for giving up your Wednesday evening to talk to us. Um, you've made us uh, about motivation, about special education needs, about uh, the need to take care about our language, the need to take to think about others, and um, you know, and and so much more. So I'm I'm really really grateful to you, Sarah, um, for all that you've you know for giving up your time and for chatting to us and for all that you do with with schools, with teachers, and with students and parents. So um, thank you and uh, enjoy the the what's remaining of your Wednesday night. Thank you. I will, and I'd love to help anybody that um is interested in whatever way they can and please do download the toolkit and I'd love to get some feedback on that as well. Lovely. Thank you so much. Yes, Sarah's put the link to her website um, in the chat box uh, above. So ha have a look at that. Um, and the toolkit is there, which you can download yourself and have a look. And if you need some uh, some help about how to navigate the toolkit, do, uh, uh, do get in touch with, with Sarah. She's motivated at you on, um, on Twitter. And I'm sure she'll be only too delighted to help you if she can. So that's all from me tonight. Um, thank you, everyone who's tuned in and who's listening. And thank you, Sarah, for giving up your Wednesday. Um, I've really, I really have enjoyed this this chat. And like I said before, it's made me think differently about various things, which is always good. That's great, and I think that's one thing that lots of people with disabilities do. We have so many issues to overcome mm. that it really does encourage that creative thinking. Yes, yes. You, you know, the, the way you talked about the, the well metaphor, that was very interesting, what you said about not um, support versus not disabling any further and helping, not hindering. Um, and not, you know, thinking differently about HR. Uh, all of that was was fascinating. Thank you so much. Right, that's the end of tonight's uh, The Late Show. Um, thank you, everybody who's tuned in. And uh, like I said before, thank you, Sarah. Thank you.
Good night, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.